Jeff Ogilvie survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Standing in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. Stonehaven Cup. Leash been to 11 under. And we've got a new leader, kids. Here it is. Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. G'day, everybody. Welcome to the show, Inside the Ropes, episode number 60. 60, feel like we should raise the putter. Um, lovely to have you with us, uh, Andy Marr alongside Mark Hayes again. Hello, Hazy. Hey, Murray. You you might have had 60 putts once, so that might be apt. Thanks very much. Martin Blake <laughs> joins us as well. Blakey, we haven't seen you for a while. G'day, Murray. Good to see you. Hello, Hazy. And I think Hazy, with the way his handicap's going, Andrew, uh, Andy, uh, oh. maybe he has had a few 60 putt rounds. I was quite shocked the other day to hear Hazy say that he's... Playing, he played a thirteen or something. Well, there's a story to be told here. Oh, yeah. no, go much. on. No, no. We should, before we get into the serious stuff, some banditry, <laughs> bit of banditry, uh, and, and that's a disgrace. We like to think that we are like the standard bearers of the game here at Inside the Ropes, as you drop your mobile phone. Um, but we don't need to have people alleging or, uh, that we have got bandits in our midst of the Golf Australia media. Exactly. Manager, no Tell your story if you if you. Well, not too ashamed to tell you. No, story. I'm not ashamed at all because I haven't played to my handicap for a thousand years. No one does anymore. No, that's, well, that's true, and we might talk to one of our guests. If about Simon is going to join us, yeah, that's right. And Ali Orchard, by the way, so don't you? Yep. Uh, I've played off somewhere, sort of between seven and ten, for quite a long time in my adult life, Andy. And um, I teed it up last Wednesday on a day off at uh, Royal Bendigo. I uh, pegged it up with a very luxurious mark of thirteen, at which the boys I played with hadn't seen me for a long time. And they were a little bit dubious about how that might have eventuated. And I, all I'll say is that my total number of Stalford points didn't ease their concerns. Well, give me the number. Well. 37, 38? starts with a four. Oh, no. Oh, no. And, and did you escape a lot? You know, you obviously escaped a lot. Well, but did I, you I cop did, a, a did, certain amount of flack? I copped a, more than a certain yeah. amount, probably certain times 1.5 so. in the Benigo Golf Clubhouse. So, so you won I had 41 comp. points. And you won the comp. I won B grade. And it was the first time I'd played in B grade for many a year. Oh, and um, the boys just thought that it might have been a... T- Tad of a rot. Oh, poor old B graders at Royal Bendigo. So I apologise. I apologise because it was just one of those days when things actually fell my way. Oh, of course they did. With that illegal putter of yours. <laughs> well, he came His back. I must illegal, say, mate, it's not right. Is it? Is it illegal? What's oh, wrong? it's the, it's like it's the wrong way around for a start. I've got and, I've got a new putter. Oh, have you? Yeah. About yeah. time. He came back about six months ago, I reckon, into the office, uh, and he was telling me about this <laughs> left eye dominant stuff that he, he went off and saw Noel Blundell, <laughs> oh, mine coach. I, he, I think he was too. doing a story with him, and he came yeah. back and he's in the office <laughs> and he's telling about this left eye dominant, right eye dominant, all this sort of stuff, and I've been he was talking it up big, and and the handicap's just gone, <laughs> it's gone the other way. Come on, cross, go, go, cross trying to put that into into play, but it's starting to come together. Oh, really? You. The putting's starting to come together. Uh, you've been playing much, Blake? Yeah, I, I had 35 points at the National last Sunday. Nice. Uh, I must say, I was playing a uh, you know a very boring game, 
Andy, because Good. I'm getting a bit older and I'm hitting it shorter. I'm, you know, the, the uh, debate about the length of the golf ball doesn't certainly doesn't apply to me. I can't hit it anywhere. But on the, I've decided on the long par fours, I'm just going to, if it's a really fives. long par four, yeah. instead of pulling out the three wood and trying to whack away and get it up onto the front of the ground, just lay it up and, and hit the little wedge. What's wrong with that? Playing as a par five. And and I actually find wedge, that yeah. I, I, I'm score, yeah, I can score better. So You take the big miss. If you, if you're put not the ego trying, away. You'd put it all, park the ego, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Greg right. Norman's book that he wrote a billion years ago called Shark Attack or some, some really kind of, you know, quite brilliant title like that. <laughs> he he talked about how to use your handicap. And he said, know, your, know what you can do. Yeah. And if you're playing a 400-meter par four um, and you can't get there in two, unless you absolutely flush your drive in your second, play it as a par five. Use your mark. Yeah. And then if you do happen to hit a good wedge and make a putt, then you, but you don't hit the second one sideways and lose <laughs> the ball and turn a... Five into a seven, so it's a really good piece of advice. We don't do it, of course. I was going to say, when did you adopt that? No, you last? never do because you end up. Pl- I always play with blokes who hit it further than me, always. Yeah, and I stupidly try and. Oh, here I go again. Got a lot of try and hit it as far as I. Who would have thought Blakey would be the mature one of us? Well, yeah, I did it once. Hey, to be, I've done it once. <laughs> right. Let's just see if I can right. I can repeat that now, man, m- mindset. Uh, have you, how's the new course coming on? I know Tom Doak was in town last week. Have you? It's it's still closed. I was playing at Long Island, so I didn't I get to see it. it. Yeah. Um, it's closed, my understanding, for a little while now. But the the talk is that it's going to be awesome. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, can't wait. Uh, there's three great. There'll be three great courses down there. Plus Long Island. It's a great great facility. And very happy to be a member. Um, is there any kind of house? We'll do the general housekeeping about you know accessing the podcast and other bits and pieces at the end of the show. But you two have been on a um, a very highfalutin two day sabbatical that Stephen Pitt, no expense spared, as he's taken the Golf Australia executives away on a marketing sabbatical. What are you two doing there? Well, we're not executives nor marketers. We've no. got to put that on the table. Right. Uh, as hopefully a lot of listeners will know, there's the motion is happening towards one golf. So that's state bodies and Golf Australia becoming united. Golf New South Wales and Golf Western Australia still haven't agreed, but the other states Come and territories on. have. Get on board. <laughs> um, but we had a, um, a meeting of what will become the new, when it all kicks into gear in the next few weeks. Uh, the new marketing communications department. A um, couple of days, Andy. Of talk about a couple of dinosaurs. It, no, it's very <laughs> important work that needs to be done, but it needs to be explained that probably the journo and the marketer is is not necessarily a a, a perfect mix. Andy and Hazy and I are like a couple of dinosaurs in there. Cynical by nature. A couple of dinosaurs. Like every five minutes, I had I couldn't stop laughing because every five minutes would be Hazy asking, you know, what what's a deep deep dive mean? What's a straw man? Do you know what a straw man is? A straw man. Yeah, Yeah. that got to mention. So so some of the tech, you know, the terminology is a little bit pitch deck. Pitch deck is pitch deck. That got to run. No, deep dive. That's when you you look very closely into. I would have yeah, I would have assumed that I knew, but I know what the other two. Mate. What about above the line practices? No, clearly yeah. not what you were doing at Bendigo last week. <laughs> <laughs> so we've had two days of that. So um, yeah, it was it was interesting to say the least, and, and educational. No, good. Well, that's mm. why aren't New South Wales and Queen? Are you allowed to tell me why 
Or is this confidential? Why aren't uh, Queensland no. and New South Wales on board? Why are they These are facts it? of life They're now. They're not ready um, yet, I suppose, yeah. is the answer. Golf Western Australia has got its own... Um, WA and New South Wales, is it? Sorry. Yeah, WA yep. and New South Wales. Okay, so sorry, Golf Western yeah. Australia has got its own um, issues that they have with uh, the way things are planned and proposed. And um, I, I, I don't think it's unfair to say that they don't necessarily want to be, you know, dominated in, in their eyes, by which won't happen, by the way, by the eastern, by the eastern states. Yep, and that's just, oh, categorically, that that's just not going to happen if and when this does get through over there. It just, it just won't. But, you know, that's their prerogative, and that's fine. Um, discussions are ongoing, which is which is also fine. Gulf New South Wales is, um, you know, the, the biggest um, body in, in state golf in Australia, and um, they, too, have their... They're really powerful in the regions, and I, and I don't know if the regions, the districts they call them, uh, have um, you know fully embraced what it, what it is that we're trying to say yet. I, I I don't think that Gulf New South Wales will be pushed by anyone into anything. They'll come at their own speed. So they they've got some issues with the the plans, and I hope I'm hopeful and confident that that'll come together because we need New South Wales. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. it, it stands to reason the biggest state by population and and. Um, We'd, we'd love their force behind what could be a force in, in, in world golf. Like and the rest of the states are pushing ahead and, and yeah. joined in. So it'll give them an opportunity to see how it works because mm. South Australia are in Queensland are in Victoria in Northern Territory, Tasmania. So it'll, you know, they'll be able to see how it works. In Utopia, it's all one and even better, Andy, if the pros and the amateurs get together into one body one golf body for Australia, that's that's the best result, I reckon. I would agree with that without knowing uh, nearly uh, any of the details. <laughs> it just feels well, like it's always... Well, well, I mean, as, as somebody who's loved well, golf you know. and what's seen the way it's structured up in Australia, it just makes complete sense. It's, it's, it's actually really simple. Yep. There's one pie being the amount of dollars that are available at whatever level of yep. golf in Australia. Right now, it's being cut into too many different se- yep. sections, slices. So ultimately... Regardless of who's running it and when it kicks in, there's no one can deny that if we had one pot, we'd all be better off if we were dipping into that pot rather True. than you know a series of different things and going off and running different ventures and having different partners and sponsors and da 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 da. The list goes on. So it's a very complex matter for those involved, and I'd, I'm not potting anyone at Golf New South Wales or Western Australia. No, for, not at all. No. I'm just telling it like it is, and uh, you know if they come on, we'll all be better off. That's mm. that's the bottom line. Um, we had a lot of um, really good feedback to last week's show, particularly the conversation between Lucas Herbert and Mike Clayton about a couple of the kind of generational issues that are confronting the game at the moment. Um, as a, an offshoot to that, and I can't, if Justin Falconer can stop bombing up on other podcasts and stop <laughs> preening himself with that sort of beautiful hair of his, actually do some work, he might actually put this video together that I know you, now I don't know much about what you yes. did. But it was a bit of it was a continuation of the theme that we sort of were kicking around a bit last week on yeah, the show. It was. I was and I put out a couple of sort of teasy sort of you tweets. Did. You did. Which probably implied that it'd be out sooner than later. But Justin's been in our little marketing soiree for the last couple of days too, so I'll give him a bit of sl- oh, cut him a bit okay. of slack. Oh, no, take that back. Um yeah, we went down to Commonwealth, which is Lucas's Melbourne home course, and with Clates and Justin and myself and we filmed Justin uh we've Justin filmed Lucas hitting his current driver and his current ball and then we went with the old balls his current driver then an old driver and his new balls and then the old okay. drivers and old balls and put up, put up his track man and it was absolutely fascinating 
and the distances, uh, you have to seem to believe them. I, I, I won't divulge everything about it, otherwise the video will have no Im impact, but the difference between what he's rocking on tour every week and what he ended up doing um, with the Ballada Balls yeah, and yeah, Persimmon yeah. Driver was was marked. And Lucas like, is not a guy who leaves a lot in the... In no, the and, he, and he absolutely flogs it. Yeah, and, and he, the track man enabled us to verify that he was doing the same swings. Yep. And the distances... What's his swing speed, can you tell us? Yeah, his swing speed... About 130? No, well, he, he, he can get it up towards 130, but his, yeah. his tournament speed, when he's in control, which is what he did here, is right around 119, 119.7, 119.8, and he's amazingly constant at it. So he can get it up over it quite easily. But we had him try to swing the same way with everything. So yep. we, you know, when, it's not scientific. It can't be. But as far as it is... Um, we were really happy with the results, and they they're quite instructive as to technology. Yep. But the most fascinating thing about it, and this will shine through in the video, I'm sh certain when when Justin edits it, was that he needed to adapt his swing to get the best out of the the driver that he had. The persimmon. I've got driver. no doubt because the persimmon had to drive so much heavier. It's such a smaller head, but so it would but for not, him. Not just that. That's correct, and and. He's just saying, I, I can't miss this. He's got his tailor-made, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he can't miss. And so he swings at whatever speed he swings at in control. And if he misses the what we used to call the screws back in the day, yeah, yeah. it really doesn't matter that much. It's like three or four meters. Yeah. So he gets up with the persimmon driver and swings away. And he realizes that on his current swing path, not only is it not going as far, but it's going way higher yeah. and it's got a propensity to draw. So he, he it, to to watch him learn, and this is why he's a good player, not because he's got the technologies, because he's got the ability to teach himself, right, I need to attack the ball steeper and I need to hit it uh, closer to the hosel so I don't have that sort of drawy hook. And, wow. he, and, and he does it. He, he does it through a series of probably 10 or 12 shots. I'm not sure we'll see them all on the video, but it took him probably a dozen drives with the persimmon ball and the persimmon dr driver and the ballata balls to figure out how not to hit a big high hook. And he gets it and then he starts flushing it. And the distances, you know, are still way yeah, reduced, yeah, 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 yeah. but to, to watch him instruct himself on what he has to do to hit the ball in the screws is fascinating. I can't wait to see it. And this has been the point that people like Clates and others of his ilk have always said that if you, if you, for the younger, for the modern player who doesn't want, don't take my guns, don't take my 40 yards, whatever it is that Clates goes with all the time, if the ones that are worried about, well, I'm going to have to, it's going to affect the way I play, or I, may, or won't, I may not be able to play, yeah. they've always been of that view, hey, give you a, a, a tournament ball or whatever it is, it'll take you 10 hits. It'll take you 10 swings of the club to work out what you need to do to be able to get this thing around the golf course. And we're going to an extreme length here with the Ballada Ball and the Persimmon Headed Driver, yeah. but it sounds like he's worked it out. So it stands that test in a very short, you know, sort of sphere yep. to that, that they do make the adjustments required. On Twitter, when I was my little teasy tweets, I was really grateful and I continue to be that people like um, Scott Gardner and Nathan Green yeah they're great and you know Aaron Price they all engage you know they're, they're they're golf heads you know they love this stuff they they 
love the discussion and you know like to put their point of views across and i just think that's priceless for, for all the rest of us yeah yep. that people who are capable of winning on the big tours in the world have an interest in the most minute, you know the the minute details yeah. of, of what we were trying to do and and greeny was fascinated by what we were doing and 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 he basically said did he take a few shots to get it sorted out so it's one pro sort of thinking how what lucas was confronting and he's been a great player, Nathan Green, oh, yeah, like you know, world class player. Um, and he, he he basically had it all sussed out. I'd be really interested to watch him watch the video. To be honest, it, it's no it's going to be really cool. But Can't the numbers wait. are quite stark, Andy. Oh, I've got no doubt they are. Um, mm. All right, we'll we'll let you know when that is available, and I'm sure you'll um, be aware of it before we need to tell you. It'll be we'll flood that. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. It, I, I hope that it goes viral for for plenty of different reasons, um, not least of which is Lucas, because yeah. yeah. There's be plenty of people who wouldn't put their um, on the line. nuts on yeah, the line yeah, to, to yeah. do that stuff. So I, I, good on you, mate. You're you're a star. Uh, one league to go, Blakey, in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Um, we're down to the final thirty who have made their way to East Lake. Before I get you to give me the details, are you two? You start off, Marty. Are you? Is this working for you yet? Are you being no. gripped by FedEx Cup no. fever? No, and they're going to change it. I believe. I, I don't know what the, the oh. actual changes. Oh. Ah, Hazy, you might be across that, but I believe yeah. that they're going to change it, which tells me that they're not well, totally worked. happy with it. And there's no drama. No. It's just rich folks getting richer. There's no, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, the steeper you go into the thing, the, the deeper you dive. When you watch the coverage, you know, they'll have Steve Sands on there or whatever saying, you know, now he's now outside the, you know, the projected uh, top 30, whatever. They they try very hard to Doesn't. to build it up, but... You know, look, well done to Cameron Smith, who's got into the Tour Championship for the first time. He's qualified uh, 10th on the points list. Jason Day, who seems to be fading a little bit, uh, is 12th. Uh, Scotty's finished. Adam Scott finished. Mm -hmm. He finished 51st on the FedEx points list. So only the top 30 go through to Atlanta, not this week, the week after. And Leash sneaked in in uh, 29th spot. At one stage of the weekend, I think he was outside he was. He was. the top 30, but he rallied pretty well. So he's got himself in. A I mean, the, the money is drama. the money's a, a topic of itself. I mean, it's $10 million to the winner of the FedEx Cup, plus the Tour Championship itself is worth $9 million US. So, you know, technically, if one of these top five it's on the rankings win it, they'll, they'll pick up $12 million in a day, roughly. So, you know, you could talk, Andy, all day about whether that's appropriate or whether well, they'd be better off to save some African country or something. wouldn't take all day, or something, I'm you know? telling you. Right they now. pay the debt of a small African country. Of course, um, it's completely inappropriate. It's in Camp Smith. So the Camp Smith is 10th. So it's highly unlikely, is it, that he could win the uh, FedEx? It's out of two, isn't it? I mean, no, this is the thing. I mean, No, it's down to five. Down five, five can, can win. Five no, can no, win. 30 can. But, but, sorry, but, five, five yeah. will win the FedEx Cup if they win the tournament. Yes. So that's DeChambeau, Rose, Finau, Johnson, and Justin Thomas. Any of those win, it's all over. Yeah, yeah. But the, the the pool of money goes right down to 30. So, you know, I think uh, first place is, is 10 million, but second might be, I think it's 2 million or 3 million. Are you million, telling so. me that, that, that Mark Leishman at 29 can still win the Tour Championship? I'm, that's technically correct. He can win I'll, the Tour I'll, Championship. I've got it here, Andy. I'll he can win the tournament. He can win the Because that's can't. just a tournament. Yeah, right. yeah. But, this is Cameron Smith. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm talking about the FedEx. Cup. Yeah, no, he's, there's no way known he can. That's win. what I'm talking no, about. No, no, yeah, way he known. can. Can he? Oh. Yeah, I'll, I'll read it to you. All right, please. At number 10, Cameron Smith, to win the FedEx Cup requires these things. He needs to win the Tour Championship and 
number one, which yep. is um, DeChambeau. DeChambeau. Yep. Number one finishes in a three-way tie for fourth or worse. Number two finishes tied third or worse. Number three finishes in a three-way tie for second or worse. Number four finishes in T2 or worse. And number five finishes second or worse. Oh, that's so, all eminently doable. Well, that actually is doable. No, that is. No, it that, is. That, it is. But it then is. you go down. If you want me to, I'll, I'll scroll So down. how does Leishman win it? Well, this becomes a whole lot of blokes get lost gibberish. on the food way to the course and yeah. don't food poisoning outbreak okay. <laughs> in the clubhouse. So at number twenty nine, Leash needs to obviously win. Have number one finish twenty eighth or worse. <laughs> number two finish three way tie for eighth or worse. Three yeah, finishes right. three way tie for third, and then and the musts go down to number seven. Okay, okay. Well, yeah. So what are they changing next okay. year, Hazy? Do you know how they're yeah, changing I'll, this? I, I do, and I'm, I'll put it to you guys because I've I'm I'm done with ranting at the USPGA tour for a yeah, couple no, of weeks. I need enough. to park yeah. it. So I put it that they've done this as we're going to run this concept up the flagpole. I don't think this is anywhere near set in stone by any means. But I think they're, they're sort of as, um, assessing the reaction to this proposal. Proposal being that Steve Sands on the whiteboard doesn't work. It's too complex. Yeah. So they need to have a scoreboard that actually works. So what they do when they get to the Tour Championship is they take those same five, same five blokes who can win it this week, and they give a two-shot start for each position. So the fifth person gets a two-shot start, two under the card when they tee it up on Thursday. The fourth-ranked person is four under. The third-ranked person is six under. The second-ranked person is eight under. And the leader of the FedEx Cup, so DeChambeau, this week would start on the first tee at 10 under. What are your thoughts? Uh, I can see why they do it. So it gives you something. It gives you a number. You're not. You're not chasing it. I'm happy to have a look at it. I, I, yeah. I don't think it works as it is. So do you I'm happy what, to see it. Do you remember when I ran? I'm trying desperately not to rant here, Andy. Remember back last year, I did have a bit of a crack about when um, they were talking about the world rankings points on offer at the Perth Super Sixes, and I, I sort of said, you know, who? Sh- why should we let other people dictate? to us how we run tournaments based on world rankings points and it turn, you know as it turns out the USPJ tour has a significant role in the committee that determines the world rankings points how can you offer a, it'll be a billion world ranking points if you win the tour championship by default as uh. you know arguably the the best ranking tournament in the world all year how can you give points to Bryson DeChambeau when you give him a 10 point start a 10 shot start mm. how does that work you said you weren't going to comment on this, and oh, now you're. <laughs> I, br- I broke my own golden rule. <laughs> it's sort of by the time it gets to this stage, for me, it just feels like an. It feels exhibitiony. Mm. I know they're playing. There's still a lot to be played for in terms of dollars and points, but it doesn't feel like it. It ceases to feel like a golf tournament to me now. It's like just the 30 richest blokes on tour trying to get richer. and I think in some ways it was better before because they just had a tour championship for the top 30 players on the money list. And they, and it was a big event at the end of the year. Oh, Scotty no, won it yeah, yeah. one year. You know, it wasn't too bad. Uh, but they decided to, you know, um, they decided that they wanted a finals type thing. Playoff. In the, yeah, Why do we need it? Stuff. I don't think we need it. I don't, I don't think we do. This no, comes, I, I think, just don't think we need the whole thing. At least indirectly no. from the fact that the USPGA Tour doesn't own any of the major championships. This is their this is their great problem. Oh, it's their, it's their they have nothing of, problem. They have nothing of significance. And you see the Players' Championship get boosted up in prominence. Even though it's a fantastic tournament on one of the best tournament courses and whatever, you, it, you know, that goes without saying. But 
is it the fifth major? But they they push it up because they're desperate for it to be oh, the next that's thing. Their, their flagship. Yeah. Yeah, and it, you know it's a it's a construct. It's a modern construct. It, you know, it hasn't been there for a hundred years. It hasn't got the the you know the grandeur of a Scottish Open or a yeah, Canadian exactly, Open or an Australian exactly. Open. Yeah, yeah. But it's been thrust upon us. They're desperate to get their fingers. Like I would think that one of the I'm just this is me. This is not fact. There's been talk about the USPJ Tour and PGA of America coming together uh, down the track, not not dissimilar to what we were talking about before with Golf Australia and, and other aspects of Australian golf. Um, one of the key aspects from that, from the USPJ Tours thing, would be that they'd get their hands on the USPGA Championship because mm. that's the one the PGA of America runs. Mm. Uh, there's so much going on there. Uh, I mean, and the, the fact that the NFL cripples... The FedEx Cup playoffs. Yep. That's why we're having the big move next year. This calendar getting thrown up in the air. We're going to have tournaments like the PGA Championship played in. I've got to think of the, all the, but in May in New York. Yeah. yeah. It could be. Um, it could be snowing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it could be snowing at Beth Page Black. Uh, it's going to be a beast of a course. It's going to be a beast of a course in August, but in May, uh, you know, we don't have the weather they have, so it's hard for us to comprehend that. All, but uh, you know, there's a lot of things going on that don't stand the test of a really good bit of scrutiny. I reckon. Yeah. Andy, I hope Cam Smith goes well. Twenty-five years of age. Talk, talk a little bit about him. Glass half full. Out of right. Brisbane. Um, you know, this guy, this year is his year of getting on the radar. Isn't been it? phenomenal. No, you, absolutely. You, you saw him at the Masters. Yep. He has a great finish there. He's just outside the top 30 in the world, I believe, now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hasn't got a big profile here still yet, uh, but is it coming? I mean, maybe he needs to win a big tournament. Uh, sorry, he won the Australian PGA. Maybe he needs to win uh, an Australian Open or something like that here, or maybe he needs to win this tournament this week. You know, he's um, he's not a big media performer and stuff like that, but boy, oh boy, can he play. Oh, uh, what, what a short game. What a short game and what a wedge game. Yeah, he's the almost antithesis of all the blokes we've sent across to the U.S. in the last 25 yeah. years. He's a guy who scores. He, he, he extracts scores the best putts. from the way that he plays. Chips no, and putts. Like he's awesome. He's had a, mm. You're 100% right for, for mentioning that. Um, and now we've got four guys in there, so uh, three guys in there. So there's that reason, if no other, to be of interest to be interested in a week and a half's time. Oh, the Australian factor is definitely makes it worthwhile. Yeah, no, yeah. To have three in the top 30 is, it's you know, it's fantastic. Awesome. Yep, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, so we have a new world number one. Yeah. Uh, I actually had to do a double take when I read that it was the first time that he assumed yeah. the position. I would have been... I, I agree. Have... I thought he'd probably got there before. Yeah, but um, so Justin Rose has Great got player. there. Had a chance to win the tournament in regulation. The more you look at the part, you, the more you can't believe it doesn't drop. Like it disappears. It's one of those putts that almost more of the ball descends than stays above, but it stayed out. And then he lost the playoff to Keegan Bradley, who um, is back from the, not, I wouldn't say the wilderness, but he's gone from 10 in the world to about 110 in the world over a, to a three, three or four year period. Um, couldn't get near it for a while. He was, after he won that, he, he'd won three times in 11 and 12, winning the PJ Championship in 11 and was by any account, one of the premier players on planet Earth, even if he may not have necessarily been. Even he looked like he was uh, starting a cricket yeah. fast bowlers yeah. run up when he yeah. went to hit the ball. Yeah, it wasn't a great. He wasn't a great player to watch, no. but he's kind of got it back. He's redis- the putting seems to be under control a bit now, and um, his last three or four weeks have been signalling that a win was on the cards for him. So, 
you know, good on him. You know, he seems like yep. a decent fella, Keegan Bradley, and hopefully we get to see him down here one of these days playing in a tournament down here. I reckon it'd be a, a great acquisition and addition to yeah. that. He'd, what, he'd what be really scoring. Uh, he'd 20, be really 20 under. to have down here, I reckon, mm. Keegan. Uh, they tore up the course, didn't they? Basically, it was wet. I mean, it was, uh, it was wet. Driving, driving pitch. I mean, it looked a good course, but it was just an old course. Um, and those type of courses nowadays, the the best pros seem to just mulch, don't they? Do you reckon this is one of the big challenges? That this is one of the challenges. This is a sidebar, but it's one of the challenges I think the PGA Tour has got. Play on the great American courses. Like let let's see more golf on the great storied traditional American courses that. We often don't see, you know, we, we see some, but we don't see them all. It's a pity we don't see. But this is the, going back to what we were talking about four minutes ago. That's precisely one of the issues we they confront. They, you know, they locked into cities and um, and sponsors and yeah, all this sort of yeah. thing. And and the the tour is a hard thing to to break now. Like you, we have tournaments the rest of the world that come and go on the US tour. They're sort of I mean, the names change because mm. sponsors, but, you know, if you've got a tournament in the, uh, I don't know, Greensboro region, yeah. Yeah. it's there because yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's part of the community fabric and they, this is the the great strength of the USPGA Tour is it, it, it engages the community and gives yeah. back millions of dollars in charitable acts. And, you know, it's such a part of the community and nothing's going to move. Yeah, and that's so a good point. No, that is a good point. I think we – yep, no, that's a very valid point. And, and the only time we get to see things, and unfortunately the USGA's put a, you know, huge question mark on the way some of them have been prepared, is when the USGA takes the US Open to the classic courses, um, you know, that's that's when we get to see them. Mm. Otherwise, like we're going to Pebble Beach next year. We we're, we were at um, Shinnecock this year. Yeah. Um, obviously, Aaron Hills was different and um, Chambers Bay before, but you know they're trying to make those great American links, in inverted commas. I've got to get them out again. But uh, the PGA is locked into all these tin pot TPC courses yeah. and other things contractually. So we get to see good courses once a year. And, um, you know, obviously, Augusta aside, but the legendary courses... Yeah. Once a year, and, and even then, we're not guaranteed of getting them in the rotor. So. Yeah, it's a pity we don't see him. We didn't mention Spieth, Andy. No, um, first time. Jordan um, Spieth uh, misses the Tour Championship and has only played 24 of the minimum 25 mm. events that he needs to play to keep his card. What goes on there? He gets a fine. Um, he obviously factored in that you know he would probably mm. get into the Tour Championship. He didn't get there. So, And he's the chairman of the PGA Advisory Players Council, so it's, a, it's a, bit, a bit weird. Um, he, um, is he in the Ryder Cup team? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That'll so be 24. Yes. Yeah, so... So that oh that makes that'll 24. be twenty four. So, yeah, this, so the the tour to has to final, work out what what to do. Tour final would have been twenty five. Right. So yeah. he's clearly he was clearly banking on making that top thirty. You're one hundred percent right. Yeah. So he gets a fine, right? That'll that's what'll happen. Slap on the wrist. I think he'll get a fine. Yeah. Okay. So right. that final Rocky Mandy. Oh yeah, no, that'll hurt him massively, Hazy. <laughs> um, over in Europe, I, I don't know. We had about ten blokes teed up. Only one made the cut, um, and that was Scott Hend. But Matthew Fitzpatrick beat Lucas Bieregaard in the playoff at the Omega Masters. There's two fine. If you, we're a bit lucky. The European Tour stuff comes in at a great time for us. Yeah, here in Australia, it does the Friday, the Thursday nights, the Friday nights, the weekend. You get a great chance to sit. These two guys are 
really good players. Fitzpatrick's he's genuinely world class. Berrigard's a player who's got real talent, real talent. So um, they win over there. Um, Eisenhower Trophy, Hazy. Yep, we so we touched uh, the boys that just started in Ireland last week, uh, and they've obviously wrapped up now. Um, Australia has lost the Eisenhower Trophy to Denmark. Um, I, before we talk about the Aussies, how's that Denmark great. holding the World Cup and the Eisenhower Trophy? Little Denmark. Yep. Mm. Just we're clapping inwardly. Oh, uh, no, I can't speak huge, Danish. Huge results. That's great. Unbelievable yep. achievement. Um, so congrats to them. Minwoo Lee was the standout of our three Aussie men, and he actually finished tied sixth overall. Would you believe tied sixth got him at uh, 16 under, got him tied sixth, Blakey? How good are these blokes? Yeah. How good are they? They're outstanding. 23 uh, under wins. Yeah. Would Min, Minwoo, is he close to turning pro, do you think? Uh, yeah, he is, very much so. He's, yeah. he's got a few big things lined up. He's playing in Korea this week, and hopefully he hangs around at least for the Asia-Pacific Amateur Championship coming up soon, which yeah. will be... Arguably his last shot to win into the Masters as a as an amateur. He went pretty close last year, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he was right at the top of it, and he was yeah. leading after fifty four holes in Wellington, and ended up third, I think, from memory. Yeah, a couple of just a couple of kind of um, repairable kind of mistakes, I yeah. reckon. You know, no, on that last day, yeah. And, he's and an the, exciting player. Oh yeah, no, he's yeah. and he and he didn't have a great first round here, but his last three were world class, and you know, I think the other boys did really well as a team, but. You know, they haven't got Min's ability to sort of dazzle at that level yet. Mm. Hopefully they get to that, that stage. Um, so so Shea Wolves-Cobb finished um, tied 51st at 7-under. I know he's ruining a few little short putts that got away from him, and that's normally his strength. And Dave Michaluzzi was carried Australia on the first day, um, but he drifted off a little bit after that, finished tied 62nd on the individual leaderboard at 4-under. Australia was tied 12th overall, but quite a distance behind Denmark. Um, and the Danish boys, the two twin, identical twin brothers, both one made three birdies in the last four holes and one made two in the last three to sure. get them up by a shot. No, I, just, I just think that's awesome. Would they? Would Super the uh, high-performance people be disappointed with 12th for um, Australia, given that we won it last time? Am I speaking bluntly? Be blunt. Yes, I think they are. 26 yeah. under? Uh, well, you know, like the team shoots 26 under. Like if you... <laughs> I'd love to know what score they would have had in mind as a, you know, like, do we get to 30 under and we're a chance of winning this thing? Like, yeah. what, what was the number that they had in mind to be competitive and how far shy of that number were they? If you get blown out by, what, the 39 under the Danish? 39, Dan- yep. I'd love to know what, you know, I'd love to know what Brad and the team thought that a winning number would have been, you know? I, I, yeah, it's, it's a fair point. I, I just think, Regardless of the number, they wouldn't be happy that some of the countries between them and Denmark were between them and Denmark. Okay, right, yeah. So, not not potting any specific countries. I just think that our guys, knowing them, and this isn't coming from them. This is just me understanding how they work. Would think we've got a better thing going on than some of the countries that were seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. Mm. So, if that's how they judge it, then they'll think it's not a great result. But there were seventy-two countries. Teed up, you know. We we forget that we because we expect so much mm-hmm. of our international mm-hmm. teams. Twelfth in the world is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's phenomenal. Minwoo actually went bogey, double bogey, bogey on three holes in his first round in a stretch late in his round. Without that, he's nearly the individual world mm-hmm. champion. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, no, it's you know, could have, would have, should have. Not but, what they wanted, but I don't think it's anything to. Oh, it's far no, from that. No, no, it's no. something to be applauded, as yep. with the girls the week before, and it really highlights 
how good Endicott, Davis and Luck were in mm. Mexico mm. two years earlier. Yeah, mm. that's that's a fair point. Well, two of those boys are on the just about on the Euro, on the US tour. Yeah. Now. Yeah. You know, so this that, is the things move pretty quick. Things move pretty quickly. You know. Yeah. Uh, we better get a break out of the way. Rules can't, are on the agenda. Yeah, I can't wait. Now we've got two great guests today, Andy. Yeah, Ellie Orchard's going to. Now we're going to find out about Top Golf a bit later on the show. This is something that could potentially take. Um, I want to say social golf by storm, but it could become more than that. This could become a genuinely a genuine way of playing the game competitively in a very different environment. Find out about that from Ali when she joins. But after the break, the head of handicapping and rules at Golf Australia, because there's new rules coming into play uh, as of the um, first, first, of first of 2019. Simon McDulski is going to join us to tell us all about that after this on Inside the Ropes. Hi, I'm Minji Lee, and I'm proud to be an ambassador for MyGolf, Australian Golf's National Junior Program. One of my favourite things about coming back to Australia is seeing all the kids getting into golf. MyGolf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about fun and friendship, learning golf and life skills in a safe and healthy environment. So, if your child is between 5 and 12 years old, be sure to find a program near you at mygolf.org.au. G'day, this is David Graham, and you are Inside the Ropes. Welcome back to the show. Um, whenever I hear that rules and handicap are going to be discussed on any golf podcast, I get excited um, because I don't know rules and I've got no idea about handicapping anymore. I used to think that, Hazy, if you shot 36, you were playing well, but if I shoot 32 now, which happens not very often, but when I do... I finish in the top half of the field at Peninsula or wherever I might be playing. So thirty-two, kind of thirty to thirty-two, kind of feels like the new thirty-six. Is this just me? No, this is a fact, and we're about to have someone explain that to us. Well, but it is thirty-two, thirty-three is the new thirty-six, Andy. So you shouldn't be embarrassed with all those thirty-twos. I'm not embarrassed anymore. I was embarrassed about the twenty-two I had two weeks ago, but. <laughs> It was a good 22, Blakey. You shouldn't be laughing. Simon Magdulski is the head of Handicapping and Rules of Golf Australia and joins us beautifully dressed, too. I'm like, can I, we haven't put this on the record before. No, we haven't. Simon's been in here on a few occasions. You do put the rest of us to shame when you come Murray, in, Murray, I am delighted to be here once again. Uh, I, I dress to impress, Hazy in particular. <laughs> Colour me impressed, yeah. Simon. I... Look, in our office, Hazy is generally the talk of the place for the, uh, the way he... Um, presents himself from a sartorial perspective. So, uh, yeah, delighted to be here. Am I wrong in a... Is this my, so, is the, Hazy, I don't know whether you're half-joking about that, 32 is the new 36. Is this uh, is this a stated reality, or is this just the way it's kind of worked uh, it, it's out? It's always been a bit of a myth that 36 is an average score. It's always been the case mm. that the average score is more 30, 31, 32 points, depending on what your handicap is. The better the player you are, the the higher you average. But in any case, thirty two is about the highest average score. That's always is. been the case. Yeah. That's always yeah. been the case. Yeah. yeah, it just doesn't feel like that anymore. It feels like you have to play out of your skin to get to thirty six. Not to mention forty one. Uh, Off a luxury handicap, I might add. Can you look into this? Place, it's by the way? probably more likely the case in winter that the average Stableford score will be a little bit lower. Mm. In summer, if we get any sort of feedback, it tends to be that scores are a little bit too high from a Stableford perspective. Um, a lot of clubs in summer would like to see Stableford scores drop a little bit uh, when you look at the winning numbers. So I had a 
what prompted me to start asking you to come in again for us was I had a couple of things on Twitter talking about DSRs and, and how they're calculated. And we, we tried to respond best we can, but without a degree in advanced algebra, um, I was unable to put it in simple English. Can you do that for us or is it just simply too complex? Uh, look, at at the end of the day, the, the DSR um, is determined basically by comparing the average score on the day with the expected average score of the day or what the average score should be under normal conditions. If Stableford scores are averaging a little bit lower than what you'd expect, then the DSR will be uh, a bit higher to compensate. If the average Stableford score on the day is um, is a little bit better than the average, then the DSR will be a bit lower to compensate. That's that's roughly how it works. That'll make sense. Um so changing tack. All we, all we need is Simon to walk around and explain everything to oh, everyone. Yeah. I just want to know, you just want to post as good as you can and you hope there aren't too many players who are better than you. Yeah, look, We're it, all playing under the same rules, aren't we? You it, know, whatever the scoring, sort of, whatever the scoring algorithm of the day is that's yeah, controlling everything. Look, you know? what, I, what I'd also say is that we, it'd be easy enough for us to adjust the handicap system so that players on average were playing to their handicap. If you did that, though, people um, would have more strokes on their handicap, they'd get higher Stableford scores, and winning scores would go, go right, right up. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and the feedback we get from clubs is we like where winning scores are pretty much. If anything, we'd probably like them to be a little bit lower. Okay. So to be giving people more strokes on their handicap is just heading in the, the opposite direction to what clubs would like to see around winning scores. Okay. So I hope that Andrew Newell on Twitter, I hope that sort of um, he's a... Great fella, and I um I hope that uh, that resolves your question. It's it's a hard it definitive is. answer. Yeah, well, Andrew asks a good question, and we just need to do a better job of communicating to people why it is that the system is set up um, as it is. Um, as we record this, it's uh, half past four on Wednesday afternoon in Melbourne. Uh, when we wake up tomorrow morning, I believe there's going to be some sort of uh, announcement, I believe, um, regarding the new rules book that's going to be um, co-authored, co-published by the USGA and the RNA. Is that is my understanding of that right? Yeah, the RNA and the USGA have put a lot of information mm. out into the public domain about changes to the rules of golf. Um, and there's um, another big release that's coming. Uh, one of the key messages is the new rule book is, uh, is now with us. Um, the new rule book has uh, has been printed, and we're now starting the process of distributing um, boxes of these things all around the country. Um, so some clubs will get them very shortly. Other clubs it might take um, sort of two, four, six weeks to to land with you. But but these books are now making their way around the country. And are these the I remember I think it was the last time we had you in. That might have, actually might have been somebody else from the R and A. There's going to be two. Are there going to be two versions? There's going to be the Tell all, every bylaw, every subclause, every letter of the law, golf book. But then there's going to be a, a cut down one that you can stick in your golf bag, a kind of um, golf rules for dummies almost. Uh, yeah, it? look, the, the full rules now will really be reserved more for the club administrator, okay, right. um, committee person, or someone who has a very keen interest in the rules. Uh, there's another book that's been produced, the, the Players Edition, yep. which is, um, there's still quite a lot to it, but there's a lot of diagrams, um, a lot of pictures yep. in it to make the whole thing a lot more digestible for the 
the average golfer. So so hopefully it'll um, make a lot more sense to people. How many rules are there, Some There used to be 34, or there are currently 34. And yes. The, the stri- idea was to strip it back a bit, so... What did you guys get back to? Look, it's it's a funny one in that the original idea was to um, to strip out words from the rule book. Uh, but what the RNA and USGA ended up finding was that there are a lot of what they called hidden rules, rules that were buried in um, in uh, publications that weren't available to the average golfer, the decisions right. book and what have you. So they've shifted these hidden rules into the main rule book, and the main rule book now. Um, communicates better all that um, a club administrator would need to so know. So you're not telling but me that you actually, up with more. But there are actually more rule. Are there <laughs> more words uh, in the uh, in the new rule book than there were in the previous rule book? How does that sit with you, Blakey? That's a uh, very unusual. Simon. <laughs> there's, le- there's less syllables there, Blakey. <laughs> right. But but uh, you know th- this is not the players' edition. This is not the thing that the yeah. average club golfer yeah. will get. So shall we? The ten main change. The ten main changes we've identified. Ten. Yeah, look, what what we're doing to support the release of these new rules um, is um, we're producing various resources. One is there's a lot of really good stuff on our website, really short, um, bite-sized videos, uh, very easy to watch. Um, Hazy uh, had a lot of fun going through these, and Hazy's been key to presenting this this page for the average golfer. But, but Hazy will attest to the fact that they're very easy to watch, uh, very easy to understand. And we'd encourage every golfer to get along to www.golf.org.au forward slash new rules uh, and have a look at these videos. Um, you look at these videos, uh, it won't take you very long. That'll give you the information you need uh, in order to to play come 1 January 2019. In addition to that, we've got a little flyer that's been uh, printed. We've printed one of these for every single golfer in Australia. And these are being distributed with the rule books. Um, so at your club, uh, you should get one of these. We've also got posters that uh, we've had um, produced in conjunction with the RNA. Every club will get three copies of these, and most clubs will have got their posters already. So yep. have a look at your club notice yep. board. Take you five, six, seven minutes to read through the entire poster, and that's really all the information you will need to know as a golfer in order to get yourself going under the new rules. Do we as, want to- as opposed to that? That last answer. Oh. The rules are much shorter now. Oh, sorry, well, Simon. That's a cheap shot. No, no well, seriously, they're, 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 it, it's really good to read because um, it is in common English now. And Simon's right. The videos are very they're, they're great. They're self-explanatory. Um, well, I, it's going it's going to be really. It's much better, Andy. All well, I can say no, is Hazy, much better. I got the. We're not. Um, you know, we're not. Um, you know, supporting City Hall here because you know this uh, this podcast is produced by who it's produced for. But I've got the the change in front of me. New drop. I'll ask you new dropping height number one of the ten, and you did tell me how simple it is. You just need to drop from knee height. That's that's as simple as it is. New dropping procedure. Uh, new dropping procedure. You you need to drop in your relief area, and the ball needs to stay in the relief area under the old rules. You needed to drop in the relief area, but if it rolled, rolled out yep. less than two can, can club just... lengths and all sorts of things, you might need to drop yep. again. Why or you may not. Under, why, under why... the new rules, just drop in the relief area, stay in the relief area, and you're in business. Why knee height, not shoulder height? 
one of the problems with shoulder height is that the ball's more likely to bounce out of the relief uh, area. So you couldn't drop it dropping. in the spot you wanted to. It was too hard. To, it was so much harder to drop <laughs> you it. You can't in drop the, it on a nice bit, bit of grass. Better bit of grass. <laughs> that's that's standing rule, Simon. You, Tick, a tick from you there, Blake. Yeah, that's his tick. So if you're shorter, it goes for a sense of reason. If you're a shorter person, you're going to get better drops. Yeah, sorry about that, Hazy. <laughs> Blakey. Sorry, guys. This is a big one. Time reduced for search. This is the best. Oh, yeah, Three God. minutes. Yep. That's not long. Yeah, current, currently it's five minutes. Yeah, Stripped back it. down yeah. to three minutes. So once you three minutes is up. Look, that's that's part of it. But the reality is if you haven't found your ball after three minutes, you're very unlikely to find it. So um, 100%. Ball's lost. Move on. Putting with the flag stick in. Uh, yeah, under the current rules, if you putt from the green and the ball hits the flag stick, if, if it was still in the green, then you get a penalty under the new rules. If you want to leave the flag stick in and hit it, that's fine. So no that problem. if I've got a four-footer, I can shoot and a bloke wants – say the flag's out of the hole. Can I ask for the flag to be put back in? You can. You can. It's funny. The RNA and USGA have done tests as to whether or not it's actually a benefit to you to hit the flag stick. And what they've found is that it's 50-50. Okay, right. Sometimes it bounces. Well, well, what do you think people will do with that? Do you think they'll do that? Some some well, will, uh, partly because it gives you something more precise to aim at. Mm. Um, it's a strategic consideration. I can mm. see Andy, Simon, putting... Into the sun, getting that that line, the shadow. Hey, 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 hazy! <laughs> I'm giving hey, away trade secrets. About? <laughs> just exactly. What the next through my the, mind. The next one's my favourite, Andy. Hooray! If, this I, is. I'm worried about this though. This is the one that I'm worried about being exploited. You, you go, hazy. Yep. No, I, 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 well, I'm interested in why you think it's a problem. But the next one, number five, is uh, spike mark repairs on greens. Um, the repair of almost any damage to the green will now be permissible. That's right. Yep. Um, the, the only downside to it is that um, some players may take a lot of time repairing damage. Um, but the the feeling really is, particularly from a professional tour perspective, let's see what the players do. If they do start taking time, then it'll be up to tour officials to manage that and to get players to act more quickly. That's but, it. Just but, too much yeah. time. Come on, boys. Just get rid of it. There's nothing there. Don't. You know, I'll be imagining things, you know, like this. You're over the putt and you look at it for the fifth time and then you see something you didn't see before and you walk back and tap something down. Okay, just, yeah. yeah, look, the, the other thing, though, I'd say is that in the current game, people look at something that's on their line and um, is that a ball mark? Is that a spike mark? Oh, mate, can you come and have a look at yeah. this and just confirm what it is? Under the new rules, it won't matter what Don't worry, it is. Don't worry, that's just a fair point. tap it down. Yeah, that's on. a fair point. Uh, ball or ball, ball mark? You jump in, Blake and Hazy. Dustin Johnson rule? Yeah, the one? ball or ball marker moved on the green. Makes sense. Yeah, if it's accidental movement, just put it back. Move so on. Dustin Johnson wouldn't have been penalised in the US Open Correct. a couple of years ago. Mm. Correct. Look, no one liked that outcome. It was one of those no. things where the rule was what it was, um, so he's got to be penalised, but it's it wasn't a good rule, um, and it's been changed. It's so. interesting. It happens a lot, accidental movement. Ball, I've done it myself on the, on the green, and the first time I ever did it, I had no idea what to do because I moved the ball maybe a foot, and a lot of people assume that you play, you know, you it costs you a shot because you've moved the ball and then you just keep playing from where it is. No, you've got to put it back. This is under the current rule. You've got to put it back where it was, right? 
Yeah, and, and mm. under the new rule, that'll be a key element of it, that if you've caused it to move, there is no penalty, but you've got to You still have to put it back yeah. where yeah. it was originally. Yeah, and another sort of interesting element of this is that um, if you've marked your ball, lifted it, put it, put it back, and then the wind blows the ball, um, you put the ball put the ball back from where it where it started. You don't have this odd case of balls getting blown off greens after they've been replaced and having to yeah. play the ball from the new position. So what Just about put that, it back. What about that Matt Kuchar thing in Fiji a couple of years ago where he did what you just said. He, he marked his ball, put it back, and before he addressed it, it started rolling and it went into the hole. Uh, well, that's where the player probably likes the outcome. But everyone looks and thinks, well, that's just very strange. Um, the right outcome is put the ball back and in front of where the mark was. That's rules. right. So Kucha would have had to replace the ball. So take it out of the hole yeah, that's and right. put it back on. Yeah, okay, right. Which yeah. makes sense. I mean, of course it the, does. The, the chances of the ball rolling into the hole are obviously remote. Yeah, so. that's yeah. there was a case at the um, at the Masters at Augusta uh, in the last few years where a player had marked their ball, put it back, uh, and then this was on 15, 15 I think yeah, it was, yeah. and the ball was blown into the water. Yeah. So then they had to take water hazard relief. And, and right. everyone looks at it and thinks that's, that's just that's crazy. Right. Right yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, should... the official who was on the spot in that case was... The RNA's head of rules, and he, he wasn't a big fan of having to deliver the news. Um, and he's very much in favour of this new rule. Loose impediments in bunkers, uh, or, yeah, or penalty areas. Yeah. yeah, currently, if you've got leaves in bunkers around your ball, you you can't move them under the new rule. Um, if you want to move them, that's fine, Great. no problem. Um, it's a big change, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a good change. Yeah, it's I a reckon good change. Although some old curmudgeons would like to think that if you hit the ball in a bunker, it's a hazard. Mm. And like, and I'm talking to you, John Huggin, just cop it sweet and, you know, you're not supposed to be in well, the first yeah, place. Well, and, yeah, and the answer to Mr Huggin is, um, and we all love Mr Huggin, is uh, under the new rules, bunkers won't be hazards. Um, bunkers will have their own separate uh, classification. They'll just be bunkers. So okay. grounding your club in a hazard, has that changed? No. Uh, you uh, you'll be allowed to ground your club uh, in a in a what'll be a penalty area or what's currently a water hazard. Yeah. In a bunker, um, you won't be able to ground your club right behind the ball before you've played the shot. You still won't be Same able to now. do that. Yes. Yeah. The, the term hazard basically is gone. That's that's right. Yeah. That, look, with the the club being grounded behind the ball in the bunker, um, the RNA and USGA just felt that. Part of the the skill of the game, part of the inherent test of the game, is to um, to take the club away from a um, a position slightly above the ground. And it is funny speaking to a couple of tour pros, a couple of experienced tour pros. That you know, the comment was, I just would have felt uncomfortable grounding my club yeah. in a uh, in a bunker yeah. prior yeah. to playing a shot. It would feel kind yeah. of odd. Touching line of play on green. This is when you're sweeping away material from the green. Either that or just pointing, this is my line. Mm. Um, you know, This is where I want to putt the ball along. Uh, mm. Currently, under the rules, you can't touch your line for mm. some reason. Um, under the new rules, you'll be allowed to, to do it. If you want to walk across your line, that's fine. Um, you can obviously repair any damage under the new rules. So if you're walking across spike marks <laughs> on your line, that's fine anyway. You know what someone's going to do? Middle of winter, frosty morning, <laughs> early oh, out. 
They're going to trace. They're going to look at the line. <laughs> they're going to drag the, the into their putter grip. And they go, well, there's my line. I'm just going to – that's the line I've read, and I'm just going to putt the ball along that line. Well, Are they allowed to do that? Uh, that sort of a thing might be more of a, a problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you'd, you'd say something to the bloke if he was doing it, like if you're playing with him or her. Yeah, like building little furrows for the ball to travel along. Um, that's, that's not something that uh, – <laughs> We'll You're laughing finished. at me, but some bloke will no, do it. No, I remember the you old... You know, the ball um, tracks. You feel like if, yeah. you've got, if some bloke's had the putt before you... and you're it's on good. His, ...and you see the line that it's left in the on the dewy green... But if someone um, actually you know, did it, you know, that doesn't feel right, does well, it? No, it yeah. feels completely wrong. Yeah. Uh, and ready golf, number 10 of these main changes. This, I would have thought that most people are doing this anyway now, whether you've been allowed to or not, but this is something that's just kind of... Yeah. Happen, hasn't it? Look, to me, this is something that we need to get the tour pros doing. As soon as the tour pros start doing it, everyone at club golf will think that's what you need to do. Yeah. Some people play ready golf. Um, others others don't. Uh, the, one of the great benefits of ready golf is if your group's fallen behind, for example, you've had a lost ball or a um, couple of ball searches, you're five, six minutes behind. Well, first player who... Um, putts out, go to the next tee and be ready to tee off. Um, you, you can save so much time. by Simon, there's a lot of work gone into this over quite a number of years and you, you've been involved in it uh, as well. Um, has the response so far been mostly positive or have you had any you know, real pushback about certain ones? Or uh, there's, there's a few things I think that some people um, would like to have seen changed that haven't been changed. Um, Such as? Uh, well, the grounding the club in the bunker is an interesting one. There is a school of thought that let's just make it consistent. And um, whether you're in a bunker or a, um, a penalty area, a, a red hazard or a yellow, yellow hazard as they currently are, just let the player ground the club behind the behind the ball. Um, so that there's that sort of thing. Some people would like to see further change there. But let's. I, I think these changes... Um, represent a, a big step oh, forward. Um, it's it's a really good modernisation. Uh, let's see how they go. Um, if uh, if further changes are warranted, let's let's push for that on on the back of um, the live breathed experience. But I think this is a a terrific step forward. And I agree with that. One last question from me before Andy deals with you. The uh, there's an aspect of, and it's not written on our ten main changes here, but there's an aspect of. 98% of these are rules of golf, but there's a couple of things that are enforceable by local rule. Um, they're not hard and fast. They're recommendations to clubs. Can you maybe explain a couple of those very briefly and, and say what the clubs are meant to do? Look, probably the big new local rule option that clubs will have available to them um, is is to get away from stroke and distance. So basically, if you hit your ball out of bounds, um, just go to the point where the ball crossed the out of bounds margin, um, move Drop. move across yeah. to uh, the the same distance from the hole um, on the nearest point on the fairway, and just drop a drop a ball at that point. Cost you two shots, but saves you having to go back to the to, same thing with a lost ball. Um, work out where the where the ball was basically lost. Um, come across same distance uh, onto the edge of the fairway. Drop a ball at that point, cost two shots, but keep so you, moving. So you're hitting four, not three. Well, if you've if you've hit from the tee, so one from the tee, uh, lost that ball, 
Yeah, the the one from the fairway up there would be the fourth shot. Yeah, that's right. But it's so, you know, people hit balls into trees or into areas of rough and think, I'll find that. They go up, can't find it, and then they've got to walk all the way back to the tee or they think, no, I'll just disqualify myself. Um, So this new local rule option, uh, I think a lot of clubs will adopt it. Um, it's it's ultimately for them to make that determination. Yeah, I do too. Do you yeah. think they'll push back on that, or do you think they'll just take it up holus bolus? Or what's... Uh, look, I think a lot of clubs will look to see what other clubs are, are doing, and if the general trend starts to be to move in that direction, then I think that'll oh, be the mate. way that you get it. If it turns a stroke round into a you know, a reasonable time spent playing golf round, which it, which it inevitably will, that's where it'll have. Yeah. You know, I, Backed I, up in fields, it'd be much better. I I, I totally agree. And, and look, it, it's interesting that um, some tours, some big names in tours, uh, have sort of looked and thought, look, this could be good in tour golf as well. That it would really quicken things up and yeah. improve the product that they're developing. Um, so it, you know, it's not as though it's just being looked at at the the lower levels of the game. And whilst the RNA and USGA aren't keen to see it be introduced at the moment into the, the elite game. It's it's potentially where it's going to end Simon, up. Simon, you and your colleagues should be commended for this, I reckon. Oh, I seriously mean that. www.golf.org.au forward slash new rules. If you want to go and see it uh, when you're next in front of a computer uh, or your whatever, um, that's where you'll find the recommended changes. Um, I think they're all... Good for the game. Yeah, look, in all seriousness, Hazy and John Sutherland have done a terrific job putting that page together. So, you know, we encourage everyone to get along and have a look at it. Very, very easy to use. Thanks for coming in. Simon Magdulski joining us, Head of Rules and Handicapping Golf Australia. We're going to break out of the way here on Inside the Ropes. When we come back, we're going to find out about a thing called Top Golf. Hi, this is Sherelle McMahon. Swing Fit is the fun, healthy, social way for women to get started in golf. You'll learn the basics of the golf swing and how to putt over a six-week program and get your whole body moving through yoga and Pilates-style exercises. You don't need any golf knowledge or equipment. Simply turn up in comfy clothing and get started. You'll be surrounded by like-minded people and receive constant support. So get outdoors, meet new friends and learn a sport that you can play for the rest of your life. To find a program Hey, it's Jeff Ogilvy. I can't be in Australia very often, but I love keeping up with everything on Inside the Ropes podcast. A good bunch of guys, and I love listening. Welcome back to the show. It is uh, Inside the Ropes. We're about to speak to somebody who knows all about a concept. It's not a concept, it's a thing, a reality called Top Golf. I'm very interested in Top Golf, Hazy. I'm very interested. I'm very interested in Top Golf. Do you know much about it, Blakey? Uh, I did a bit of research, Andy. I have heard of it. And then having read that uh, there are about 40 centres around the world, basically a, a driving range where you can go and you can have a drink and something to eat. They have con- climate-controlled booths where you can get, say, six of you in there. Nice. So then you, you hit Plan balls. Your and not only that, you, I don't know. That, well, climate that's a thought that's a bit of a worry. Oh, sure. uh, well, you know, comfortable. Get comfortable. Okay. So there's tracking devices in the golf you know balls, yep. uh, there's tracking devices and you hit at certain targets and you get points for it. So it's just a fun environment which is not totally about golf, it's a little bit about golf and a bit about getting together with your friends. So there's about 40 centres in the world, there's one on the Gold Coast here in Australia uh, there's going to be a lot more very soon because they're very popular. I think last year in America 
There were 13 million individual visits to uh, top golf venues. Did he know we were going to talk about this? He sounds like he's researched <laughs> up the Munyak at the moment. What's he doing? Quality research, Blakey. But I think, you know, no offence to you, but we need to get to someone who actually knows what they're talking about. <laughs> Stop stealing our guest thunder. <laughs> Boys, I'm really delighted. Um, a really great advocate for golf generally. But Ali Orchard is going to join us in two seconds, and she's the new head coach at Top Golf and the Gold Coast, which I think is Brilliant. phenomenal on so many levels. Yep. Ali, we welcome along because we want you to sort of straighten the ship over here. We don't <laughs> want to talk about undies or Blakey's millions of people. <laughs> welcome along. Hello. Thanks Hello. for having me. Hi, Al. Congratulations on, on getting the job there. That's a, a, a very a big job for a, um, you know, for a fledgling franchise in Australia. Yeah, thank you. So what is, happy. What, is, what is Top Golf in your, in your words and how is it progressing on the Gold huh? Coast? Yeah, uh, so essentially it, it did originate in um, the UK. There's three in the UK. There's 38 in the States, so it's massive in America. And the Gold Coast, we're super lucky. We're the first um, to get one in Australia. We want to open a bunch more in Australia as well. Uh, and, yeah, we're the first outside of the UK or the States as well. Um, honestly, 50% of the, the guests that come in here have never touched a golf club ever. So it's so exciting for me as a coach and as um, a former player to see these people come in uh, and enjoy themselves playing golf. Um, there are 11 targets out on the field uh, and there's nine different games you can choose from. So as long as your ball, which has a microchip attached to your profile, as long as it's going in a target, it's recording your points and you're basically dispersing your friends that are up on the screen. So, Ali, yeah. that sounds awesome. Oh, Give me the okay. physical. If I if I walk through the door of your yeah. Top Golf Center and yeah. I go into my my bay or my booth where uh-huh. my my friends and I are going to play, what yeah. what am I physically looking at? Okay, so we have ninety bays. There's three levels, thirty bays on each level. Ninety. We have ninety bays. This is awesome. We could have um, on a Friday and Saturday, especially. We could have five hundred and sixty players all in bays hitting at the same time. Yeah, we have five hundred and sixty profiles up on on a on a normal Friday. How awesome does that sound? Yeah, it's uh, awesome. So, so, so if I'm, it's my turn to hit. I've got an actual. Uh-huh. I've got a proper golf club in my hand. A proper. I come and use my own golf clubs. Yeah, you yep. 100% can bring your own clubs. Otherwise, we have um, right, left, uh, juniors and tots clubs available, as well as um, an elite uh, version for our platinum members. And and when I'm yeah. when I'm over my ball about to play, yep. I, I'm playing on synthetic grass, and I'm looking at like what would traditionally be you know sort of imagined as a normal kind of driving range, but with different target areas. Is that kind of what I'm seeing? Yeah. You can see, you can look out your yeah, synthetic grass, amazing netting, uh, and then you've got 11 targets that you can physically see. Um, the longest, the furthest one away is 190 metres. Okay. Um, but you have a diagram on the bottom as well, so it's showing you every single distance for every target, and you can see that as well as, um, like, on that diagram as well as when you look out. So, yeah. so Ellie, you're a former ALPG Tour player. When, when you play top golf, do yeah. you get a feel? Does it feel like you know you hit your you hit your you know normal shot that you're hitting yeah. out on a golf course? Do you feel like you have to play exactly the same shot to get the results required when you're playing top golf? 
Um, I think if you you can play top golf on so many different levels. So if I was to bring my tour players that that are friends, we've come together. Um, it can be super competitive, and it's like there's heckling, but there's also <laughs> there's so many games that can improve your golf and your competitive um, side to your playing as well as you could come with your niece and nephew and just be happy to get it in this 25-meter target. And they would say, oh, Arnie, Ellie, you're amazing. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm lucky that they say that anyway. But you could just, on every single level, you could come as a date. You could be like, oh, wow, you know. Or you could come with your whole entire family for a party. And, and on every level, it's amazing how many people want to learn how to play golf. So, Ellie, yeah. you'd mentioned 190 meter holes. If you mm-hmm. if if you have six newcomers roll down and just want to have a you know a mm-hmm. an adult beverage and a burger and have a bit of fun, they can just play yeah. to a 30 meter target or something too, can't they? They don't have to hit it out to the 200 meter yeah. mark. Yeah, the furthest target is 190 meters away. Uh, their signature game that they play is top golf, um, which is the further away and the closer to the center of the flag, the more points you're going to get. But there's also games like called top chip so it's the max length target is only 80 meters awesome there's top drive which is essentially the back two targets there's so many games that everyone you know needs to come in and explore because it's just yeah it's amazing ellie uh, this thing's obviously exploding and it's uh, uh-huh. you know not only in america but here as well but and, and yeah i'm sure you'll be expanding so what did, what do people say to you about what, why do they like it so much well, we actually have a role and their um, like a associate works for a greeter. So they are the person at the door that gets everyone's jaws back off the ground and says, "Welcome, <laughs> Top Golf. This is what we're about." And I'm not even kidding. This is a reaction. People come in, their jaws drop, and we have someone employed to explain things to them um, because it's just it's like nothing else. And as yeah. a golfer yourself, do you do yeah. you think that uh, this kind of stuff? And you know, I was in here in Melbourne. I went to a, a kind of a mini golf place called Holy Moly the other day, and uh-huh. it was absolutely packed. And it's along similar lines in the sense that it had bars and entertainment and loud music, and yeah. there were just people everywhere. And as well as these type of driving ranges, I mean, does it have implications for uh, traditional golf? Do you think that people could migrate across? Because this is a huge. Uh, question for for traditional golf yeah i think uh it definitely is something that would help promote it i think it's a part of what could happen uh i think we need to nurture people that come in with that expectation to think wow i i play golf from here but when how they move on from there do you know what i mean if we can really nurture those people look after them point them in the right direction coach them get them with the basics it's amazing where it could feed that how they could be fed in uh but the word nurture couldn't even be used more i don't think we really need to look after them and help them out in the right direction to then increase um the percentage of people learning and joining golf clubs which brings us perfectly to you ali as opposed to top golf because I think everyone who's listening right now can hear the enthusiasm in your voice and your your passion and your love for the game. Yeah. Um, This is a huge role for you, an accredited Uh PGA professional. You've done your traineeship. You've you've ticked all the boxes in the background. ALPG tour play, you've played overseas, you've you've done all that. Um, 
what is it that's inspiring you here and, and how can you make a difference, do you think, personally? Mm-hmm. Um, I love, I like, actually just really love people. I love knowing how someone's feeling. I love how know, knowing what someone wants and what they need and I love reading their energy. And I think to every single demographic that's come in here and has needed my help has been so different. No two people have been the same and I love learning and meeting and feeling what that next individual might need and then bringing them happiness through golf and just one golf shot or you see their confidence go from like oh I'm I'm not feeling that great to wow like I I'm actually really good at something and it it almost goes like okay we this is confusing like we went from (laughs) nothing to everything and that for me is so rewarding and I just want to do that for the rest of my life. Uh, it's a perfect answer. And last one from me, and okay. I don't know whether you have the answer to this, but do you know what the plans are? Like, you're up there on the Goldie and everyone uh-huh. in that area is going great. And next time we go to a holiday up there, I'm going to go and play this thing. Awesome. But, but there's going to be a lot of people around Australia listening to this, yeah. wondering when Top is going to come to my neck of the woods. Do you, do you have any knowledge uh-huh. on what the kind of expansion plans are like? Um, I'm not a hundred percent that sure. I personally can be that one too, but they have big plans in Australia and I, um, I back them a hundred percent, um, and definitely think that I want to be a part of when they do come to other locations around Australia. I want to be a part of helping, um, each, each venue grow and really from the ground up be successful. So, yeah, I'm not in a position, Andy, of sort of, um, you know, pissing in our guests' pockets, so to speak. But you can hear, you can hear Ali's enthusiasm. And Ali, I, I, I ask, I'm, I don't know exactly what you know about Vision 2025, but I'm, I'm saying to you, Andy, that I think Ali's the perfect, perfect ambassador in so many levels. She's knowledgeable beyond belief. She's a left-hander. She understands issues of golf that some don't understand. You know, she doesn't just shove things in your hand and expect you to do it this way. Ali, how important is it to you and to the future of women and girls in golf in Australia to be able to knock down the walls of what Mm. you perhaps confronted when you walked into a club the first time, you know, 10, 15 years ago? Um, I, I guess that my biggest thing is on every level, if we have a good heart, we want people to be happy, right? So if we can create that and give that to someone, for women to come to a golf club, if we could, in just one sentence, make them comfortable and happy and give them that confidence, then that's all we need to do. So to get to get more of the women um, comfortable and happy, it's not going to take much, but we all need to be really doing that uh, because it's amazing how many women really do want to play and, and they're super keen to give it a go and get involved, but we need to make them comfortable and happy. Google search Top Golf Gold Coast. I'm telling you, Andy, if you're remotely, yeah. remotely in Queensland, give Ali oh. a call. She, she'll change your game and she'll change your perception of the game of golf and it, for anyone, anyone, any age, but particularly if you're a young lady uh, considering the game. But, thinking it's sort of too hard, Ali's your girl. Oh, I can't wait. My sister lives up, at Billy. My sister lives up at Billy Heads, Ali. I don't see her often enough. Now I've got every reason to go up there and see her a whole lot more often. So um, 
thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for telling us about it. I absolutely guarantee that the appetite amongst a lot of people to get there and have a look has been wet today, um, wherever you might be listening to the podcast or the radio show. And we wish all the very best with the the Gold Coast Centre and the expansion thereafter and your role in it all. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Good on you. Ali Orchard talk, joining us there, talking about this phenomenon, which is Top Golf. I mean, you've been Brilliant. down, a, you mentioned Holy Moly. We've all yeah, been to the Yeah, there's a Holy Moly place yep. in Melbourne, and there's one in Sydney, Andy. And then you've got the simulators all over the place. I mean, these, in all seriousness, these things are, are really important for, for golf because they're bringing people to the game. I think they're fantastic for the game. 100%. Um, and, you know, we talk about clubs and facilities now, not just clubs. You know, hopefully they'll become members, the people who wander through there. But it's through the work of people like Ali that we can make golf more approachable, especially for young women and girls. And I know your club yeah. is is opening itself up. It's a, yeah, it's a it's a pretty elite golf club that you're a member. No, I shouldn't say pretty elite. It's a it's a very good golf course. Yeah, but it's a club that's making itself completely warm and opening the doors and using its facilities to sort of helping on exactly the same quest. Absolutely. Um, and it's all about just including everyone, the community, whether you're a golfer or not, just to get people in clubhouses and using the facilities, foot golf, speed golf, all right. that sort of stuff. But one of the things at Kilowis Golf Club, where I'm a member, and I've got to dis- have put a disclaimer on that, but there's the range at Kilowis, it's called, and it's sort of like a smaller version, I suppose, of Top Golf. Um, 20 bays, um, all with Trackman facilities, and people sit around them sort of like you do around a 10-pin bowling alley. You yeah. know, So you watch your mates hit and analyze their shots, and uh, it's just awesome. But the big thing about it, Andy, is there's a, there's a bar and there's a restaurant and there's simulators in the back. It's a unbelievable already in the space of a year social hub for people on the Ballerine Peninsula, awesome. and it's chock-a-block with young women and young girls awesome. who are not confronted by the normal you know, walls and pitfalls of club golf. Perfect. So has Perfect. Andy been down there? No, but he's got a I was just wondering invitation. whether there was a sort of a closed-free zone. You know, when you oh, play in your underwear. It could be too cold down we there. Have asked Simon, climb... We should have asked Simon whether there's a sort of a, any sort of rule about playing in undies. Well, yeah. on the Gold Coast, you can do whatever you want up there. Have you ever played in your undies? I've played nude. Come on, be, have you? <laughs> I have. <laughs> Not an entire round. Cows. <laughs> <laughs> Only the one hole. Clearly, that was some sort thank of God bet it, that you lost. Or? Thank God. No, no, no. We just decided it was a warm day. We don't have to go there. Can we just go there one week? Just let's just get we, to this another time. Uh, I, I'm I'm staggered that if he he just heard the word climate control and just jumped straight into his Reg Grundies. You've completely thrown me. <laughs> yeah. well, you um, threw us sorry. when I you did, mentioned I it. Um, what did you want to talk about again? Airbnb. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, Okay, moving right along. Uh, this week, all eyes turned to the women's game this week. Yeah, it's the fifth major of the year this week, Andy. If I can use my French accent, uh, Evian Le Bain. Oh, very nice. Is that in France or Switzerland? I think it's in France. Uh, it might be in France, no, no, but it looks out in, over Lake Geneva in Switzerland. So, Minji <laughs> Lee, Sue O, Catherine Kirk, Sarah Kemp, who's playing well at the moment, Sarah Jane Smith in that field. Uh, Minji Lee's number two on the points list for the season and number six in the world All right, yep. um, she she could win this week just keep our fingers crossed that we get some yep. weather some friendly weather because this tournament has been 
assaulted <laughs> by the conditions. It's got um, a history of it. Yeah, it has. So let's just keep our fingers crossed. Very quickly before we go, can yes. we bring? Can you update us on a couple of Australians around the place? Uh, primarily, Jimmy Papadados, yes, who's uh, you know, I think he won a lot of fans when he came and joined us on the podcast earlier in the year. Uh, it took a week off. Things were um, he was just feeling a bit run down mm-hmm. on the um, Challenge Tour in Europe, and he's come back and finished second in England last week, and he's jumped. We talked about the top 15 when he was last on. He slid, 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 and he just out of it. Seconds put him back up to 12th. Six tournaments this to go, including this week in the time-honoured Kazakhstan Open, Andy. So he'll rock across to Kazakhstan and uh, in a really good spot to earn his European PGA t- European Tour card for 2019. Keep going, big fella. Uh, we're all in your corner. Um, we got the plugs. Play nine. Tell, this is still... Oh, no, sorry. Still, have you got oh, any other... A couple zip? more, just very yeah, briefly. Right, yeah. um, Big shout again to another previous guest, Brad Kennedy, who was ninth in the Japan Match Play Championship. Karis Davidson tied 11th in a really big women's event in Japan. That was fantastic. But more importantly this week on the women's front, Sarah Kemp, who Blakey just mentioned, third in the Ladies Open de France. That's how you say Hello. France. Nice yes. yeah. uh, which bumps her up to third on the LET money list too. So go Kempe, yeah, um, kicking goals. That's I wanted great. to mention Brett Coletta, who's a brilliant young player who... You know, people say, well, where do these guys go? They turn pro and they've got to try and find you know, find their way. So he's on the McKenzie Tour in Canada. We have to call it the McKenzie Tour. Hazy, we've been through that before. Brett Clare was tied fifth this week, and he's number 23 on the money list. Well, so he's, he's starting to show kid. a bit. Yeah, a he can kid. really play. He, he can play, and he'll yeah. find his way. And your no, man, yeah. Andy, James Marcazzani. Come on, Jimmy. What's tied, he done? tied fourth in the China PGA Tour as well. Plenty of great results for Australians hey, there. He can hit a golf ball. Don't worry about that. Uh, don't forget, play nine. Amazing opportunity. Played both the 18 Emirates Australian Open and the 2019 Open at Royal Port Rush. Head to www.golf.org.au forward slash play nine. And make sure, you, if you're a listener to the pod, podcast, subscribe. Leave us a, um, a, a review. Um, five-star one. Five-star, if you don't mind. Hazy will catch up with some of those five-star reviews. That he hasn't been uh, staying across in recent times, uh, it makes it a whole lot easier for people to find the show, which is called Inside the Ropes. That's what you've been listening to. Thanks to Ali Orchard and Simon McDulski, our special guests today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See you, Murray. And uh, thank you for listening.